1: Here we are again. Yep. Welcome back. To Blood, Blood. Thirsty, Thirsty. <laughs> Vegetarians, and I'm Rich Wilgus, John Tellerico. and we are here yet again, sitting in the Fairfield Glassworks and Tape Dispensary, Staring in front of the, the gargantuan rhombus of righteousness, which is the new name for the enormous, gigantic whiteboard of truth, or big, giant whiteboard of truth, and... Uh, uh, actually, for the past few weeks, it had a different name, but we forgot to tell you, it used to be the Magnificent Placard of Verisimilitude. Yeah, we're just crazy like that. It's just silly. Stop. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's something I've been wanting to say for three weeks. <laughs> I, uh, For those who don't know, I make a commute to get to John's place, because I have no life, and um, so I drive about, I don't know, 45 miles one way, and I pass three bowling alleys on the way. I just wanted you to know that.
0: Well, bowling is good
1: yes okay John (laughs) John half-declared bowling is good bowling
0: good fire bad Mm. very much (laughs) yeah in the sporting world yeah I just wanted to also mention that um, you know all is right with the world these days why because the Yankees are in first place and the Red Sox aren't well who cares
1: I'm actually a Mets fan and we're uh there was a period where everybody in the National League East was over 500 and you know it was great and the Mets were in 4th <laughs> briefly they they briefly climbed out of the cellar but I don't think that's to be so I don't, I don't
0: think their wild card chances are very good we'll see next year No, but baseball's interesting this year but I'm not going to get too deep into that or any more than I already have that's Well yeah <laughs> and I did promise our our
1: faithful listener Adam that we would talk about NASCAR or at least mention NASCAR so NASCAR um NASCAR. Yeah.
0: Okay. There we're you done. go, Adam.
1: Done deal. <laughs> Wasn't that fun? Yeah. We got some tunes today. Well, no, I want to say something else first. Okay. Mr. Man. All right. Fine. Um You've got this show issues, you know, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. This show should be coming to you at 128 kilobyte MP3 audio. I
0: just You're out of control.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just decided one day we were going to do it. Actually, initially, John and I had discussions about high, how high quality should we send the MP3s? Um, and there was a certain quality level I didn't want to go below. And what you've been listening to is 96K joint stereo, but we're going to go 128K real stereo.
0: Yeah. Why was it why was it you didn't want to go too big with the file sizes? Well, I just wanted to make sure that people weren't getting their uh, their inboxes loaded. But you know what, as we've we've already said and I think people have seen, um our goal here is to have really high quality audio.
1: Yeah, and I think you also mentioned something about some of the uh the RAM based MP3 players don't have a lot of memory, you know, if somebody has a 128k player, uh, you know, we don't, want, we don't want to be too big. But I'm seeing so many podcasts out there that are, are gigantic in terms yeah. of their file size. And now they got video podcasts that yep. are 600 megabytes and stuff. So. Yeah, what
0: sort of turned my mind or, or turned my uh, opinion on the whole thing was that I saw the, the, the most popular podcast, Twit, This Week in Tech. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They are regularly going over an hour and a half or an hour and 20 minutes, and that's a huge, huge file. So Ginormous. Yeah, I don't have a problem anymore with it. So my objections have been washed away. We do have music, don't we? I don't have anything to say about that. Yes, we do have music, <laughs> and this is uh, for you to introduce because I don't know much about them. Well, I, I can't say that I know a great
1: deal about them, but I did meet them. They, uh, they were the opening band at the grand opening of a club here in Utica called Chatterbox a couple of years ago, and I went to see them, and back then they were called QB3, and I just kind of was like, oh, great, you know, they're having a jazz band. I, you know, how many clubs have we been to where the bands are kind of mediocre, and I'm like, yeah, they're having a band. And then they started playing, and I went, Wow these guys can actually play and then i just stayed for the whole night and i, I met them in between sets they gave me some cds i've been promoting them locally and doing some promotion for them uh trying to get them booked into some other clubs blah 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 and i think now they're called root valdez and uh we'll link to both of their their things and uh they're going to send me up a cd of some of their other material too which is great what's this one called this one is
0: called the electric monk and here I it like is it. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, yeah, it's cool when they uh, lay down a groove and just rip over the top of it. I was kind of into that. Yeah, they were
1: fun. Um, Yeah, and we'll have some more stuff from them in the future, too.
0: Yeah. Hey, guess what, Rich?
1: I don't know what. I saw another movie. No. Imagine that. That's just so unlikely. The likelihood of which... Mr. Spock. What? No. (laughs) What is the likelihood of that? 98%
0: chance that you never see movies. Yeah. Well, what'd you see? Well, when I rented the other movie, Layer Cake, that I mentioned last week... um, I rented uh, Crash as well. This is now, a, is, is that the one with Holly um, Hunter? Um, no, it's Holly not, and, it's not uh, the NC-17 rated thing that no. Ted Turner railed against. Right, right. No, this is uh, the... See, this is what I'm confused about. I think it's a 2005 film, but I, on IMDb they listed it as 2004, but I'm pretty sure it was released this year.
1: I think the copyright said 2004.
0: Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? It's craziness. But all the other reviews that I've read uh, listed as 2005. Anyways, it was uh, written and directed by Paul Haggis, as opposed to uh, the The, food uh, Haggis. The meal. (laughs) Yeah, he actually wrote the screenplay for Million Dollar Baby, Mm -hmm. which I haven't seen, and I'm still wanting to at some point.
1: Yeah, I'm torn, you know. I, eh. One of the women that I work with raved about it, and anything she likes, I haven't yet. So. Oh, you haven't seen it yet? No, I haven't, okay. actually. I haven't. And um, John had mentioned to me that he had seen this film and uh, suggested that I, I try to get a viewing in before uh, the weekend, so I went out and bought it and, uh, <laughs> to watch it, which is how I discovered the other crash with uh, Holly Hunter and um, James Spader James about Spader, erotic yeah. car crashes. James, Maybe we off, can review that yeah, one next.
0: Ho- not to get off on too many tangents, but James Spader just creeps me out. Yeah, he does the creep thing really well. Yep. He's got a career on that. Anyways, uh, this Crash, which was uh, this past year, uh, stars Don Cheadle, Matt Dillon, a huge cast, uh, Terrence Howard, which I think he just did a great job, uh, Sandra Bullock in a very freaky role, uh, Brendan Fraser, Thandie Newton, um, standout job by Ludacris. Ludacrisp? Ludacrisp. <laughs> Do you remember Ludacris in the film? Um, I, I'm not quite sure which yeah, one I'll, he was. I'll describe who he was. Uh, Jennifer Esposito, Michael Peña, Ryan Philippe, uh, Marina Sirtis. I still don't think she was in there. Yeah, she was in it. I'm thinking yeah. she wasn't. Check the credits. and uh, oh, Then she wasn't who you say she was. Oh, she was. I recognized her immediately. Marina Sirtis being Counselor Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, this is just weird because the last film I rented also had a, a Star Trek guy in it. Uh, and Lorenz Tate, and there was a whole bunch of other people, but these are the people who were the uh, the main characters, if you can call a cast of, like, 15 people main characters. Yeah, well, there was a lot going on in the film. Yeah, it, essentially, in a nutshell, if you haven't seen this, and I'm, I'd be surprised if you haven't, if you're a film, film buff, um, but it's a whole bunch of storylines, uh, a bunch of people in L.A. or L.A. Uh, surroundings, and they're somehow tied together. All these different people have some connection to each other, and really the whole thing shows... Um, 24 hours or 36 hours in their lives. And over the course of that time, uh, it shows these people's lives and and, uh, how they relate to each other. And it also shows how each person is, in some ways, a bigot. Um, Black versus white, white versus black, black versus Korean, uh, Korean and uh, white. Um, All of these different races, they're they're sort of clashing, um, crashing against each other. And it also shows how people are multi-dimensional that's that's one of the things that I, I liked about the movie and took away from this is that you, you weren't seeing the hero be uh perfect you weren't seeing the the uh the antagonist be mostly bad you're seeing every single person has redeeming qualities and, and some pretty awful qualities and i think that's that's what i um uh, i think is is very honest about the film
1: yeah oh i definitely agree you know they they you they take someone who you think is just awful and that they show you, you know, later on in the film, he can do something that uh, isn't awful. And then right. they take someone who's
0: you think is really, really good, and he does something really, really bad. Yeah, um, some of the, the, like I said, some of the standout performances here. Don Cheadle, I think he's great in pretty much everything that I've seen him in.
1: Yeah, Hotel Rwanda. He's he's great. He's very good.
0: Yep. Um, Matt Dillon, who was very surprised. Um, normally, I don't I don't picture him in this type of role, but very, very good. Uh, performance. Terrence was he the Howard. DA?
1: Was Matt Dillon the DA? Who was that?
0: <laughs> no, Matt. Matt Dillon played. He was a racist cop. Oh, that was Matt Dillon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, let me run through these people. Uh, Don Cheadle played a, a detective on the, on the force. Matt Dillon is a, uh, a beat cop. Um, Terrence Howard, um, unbelievable performance, and I think he's been in Hustle and Flow since then. Um, and everyone says that that's another film that everyone should see, and, and I haven't seen it yet, but that's that's on my list. Um... He plays a, a a film or television producer, Cameron. Um, Cameron, yep. Uh, Sandra Bullock plays the wife of um, Brendan Fraser. Oh, right. Yeah, he's and like he's the, the DA, LA County DA, or whatever. Yeah, uh, Sandra Bullock. Um, Normally she's the sweet, perky kind of character. In this, she's just a horrible person. <laughs> she, uh, it's not that she's not perky. She's angry. She's, she's got perky. a hell of a temper. Yeah, she's perky and angry all the time. But there's reasons for her
1: anger, and who who can blame someone for being angry considering what she had just gone through? Yeah, she got carjacked. Well, at gunpoint. She at She had a gun gunpoint. pointed
0: to her head. Yep, that's right. Yeah, shoot The thing is, she was. She had reasons to be angry. Because of the, the carjacking, but you also saw her abusive towards her Hispanic maid or nanny or whatever she was. And the guy changing the locks. Yeah. On the well, door. I mean, I think that I think that she may have already had well, I think that's the whole thing. She already has this this bigotry in her and this event sort of just ripped it out of her and she was she was going off on everyone.
1: Well, but that's the point in general, not to interrupt your, your reading yeah. of the credits, but I think everybody you know, has this this bigotry inside them. And, you know, and I think it requires intellect to get beyond it, you know. And I have so many stories I could tell, and I am going to tell a few once you get done.
0: Yep. Um, playing the wife of uh, Terrence Howard was Sandy Newton. And there were um, two African-American uh, guys who who played... Uh, punks but they didn't they didn't really play the typical punks these are these are the carjackers and we didn't think they were in the beginning no you you don't and I, I think it was a good turn there are
1: lots of twists in this film yeah. you know when you think someone's good wait till the end of the film because your opinion of them might change
0: yeah um one role by Lorenz tate and uh ludicrous uh, the rapper actually he he uh uses his real name in the film uh who was he who did he play he played anthony he played the uh I'm trying to remember how to describe him. He was the one who was the, the most vocal of the, the two uh, carjackers.
1: The taller one or the shorter one? I think the taller one. Yeah. yeah. And he was the guy who was in Cameron's car when... Yes. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And and wasn't... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but there were so many things going on in this film and so many plots and sub-twists that the other guy was Cheadle's brother. Yeah. But okay. You, of course. It's, it's, Spoiler. You even, yeah. You don't even put that together, but...
0: No, you don't put it together until the very end. I've talked to some people, and they said they saw that coming, but I didn't see it really coming until maybe the last ten minutes of the film. Um, yeah, ludicrous. I, th- I think that that's the thing that was good about his role, and I was I was just surprised by his role. He did a great job. Is that he was a very intelligent guy? He had he had some flawed reasoning for his anger and for his bigotry, but at least he had thought it out. It wasn't like he was just a bigot because he felt like being a bigot. Well, both of those guys were very intelligent and had really, really, um,
1: really, uh, well... Uh, interesting conversations, and, and not unlike Pulp Fiction, you know. Here we have two yes. hitmen. We have Travolta and uh, uh, the Jedi guy, Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. <laughs> Jackson, and they're having these really fairly intellectual conversations on the way to kill someone. That's right. That's and, right. And and once again, it just points out that even hitmen are people too. They yep. like to go home and maybe have a nice glass of wine and watch a movie. And yep. I mean,
0: of course, they're beastly, but you know, they're people. Yeah, they're human beings. That's right. Um, some of the other people in the film, uh, Jennifer Esposito, she played the partner to Don Cheadle on The Force, and they were also having an affair. Um, and she plays someone who is uh, Latino. And and another line from the film that was that was pretty interesting. Um, Don Cheadle says something about her being Mexican, I won't give away the scene and she gets upset because she says look, you know, let me give you a geography lesson here, uh, my father was from uh, uh, Puerto Rico my mother was from El Salvador, neither of those are Mexico right? Right." Yeah. and Cheadle wasn't uh, particularly um, receptive
1: to that line either he no. had more, more stupid <laughs> sarcasm and... yeah. well I mean it's, and it all plays into the stereotypes that everybody has about everybody, right, I'm That's Polish, right. I'm dumb it's a
0: rule. I'm Polish. No, you're not dumb because you're Polish. You're dumb because...
1: Yeah, that's right. And you, of course, your name has all of those those vowels. And that's right. End. I've and so... got
0: olive oil oozing from my pores. Well, and you're in the mob. I, I, of it course. It goes that. without saying. It's not, You know, there's no such thing as the mob, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> all those movies are lying to us? <laughs> that's right. They're all lying. Uh, so anyways, yeah, some of the, the things that I want to cover here, before we even get into anything else, I just want to cover, like I said, these standout performances um, and... The, the most surprising performance is, like I said, Ludacris and Sandra Bullock. Ludacris because very, very articulate and, and strong acting from someone who you wouldn't expect to be a good actor. Why? You know, because he is a rap star. And, you know, generally don't get that kind of a farm team from, from from the rap world going into the acting world.
1: I don't know. I've seen lots of rappers go into the acting world Eminem. and do great jobs. Uh, no, I haven't seen his film. But, I mean, even... um. Oh, uh, even Ice T does a decent job on um yeah. on uh whatever one of those spin-offs of that one cop show that has 40,000 spin-offs. But I, I think can't... he's all right. I wouldn't say that this person Ice is Ice like... Cube. Ice Cube, phenomenal. I've seen him in a couple right, of performances. All right, I stand corrected there. I think I, it's I, a bit of a stereotype, actually, to say that because it's, it's you know, there's lots of people you wouldn't expect to, just because they haven't had formal acting training that, that you know, they're brilliant, and I'll think of a few.
0: Well, maybe, maybe I misstated it. I think what I'm saying is I wouldn't expect it because that's not the usual path to being an actor, going from the rap world to being an actor. It, well, has, it has happened in the past. Well, there, I think, there have been a few standouts, but...
1: Yeah, I think it happens more frequently than we think. I mean, there's there are so many people that move out of their field and into uh, being actors and, and do it well. Um, I, I'm not sure, and I, I probably would get slapped by James Lipton for this, but I'm not sure <laughs> that the path to being an actor is necessarily like the path to being uh a musician or a race car driver i mean to 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 drive at the Formula one level you need to have spent tens of thousands of hours in a race car driving on racetracks to know how to do that Mm -hmm. but i mean some people are just naturals at acting and boy they just do a great job and again ice Cube, he was in a couple of films he was in a a film about um the first gulf war with um the other rap guy oh three kings Three Kings, yeah, and, and they were. He's a wonderful actor. He was also in Boogie Nights. Uh, the the guy whose name That's I can't right. think of, Mark Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg, he's amazing. And Ice Cube just blew me away in that film. It well, was so good. So and, there's and, two examples.
0: And Ice Cube was also in I think Boys in the Hood. But here's here's the thing. I think what you were getting at is absolutely right. You take someone who's got some talent and you put them in the right situation and that talent will just explode on the screen. If you take someone who's got driving talent. They have to learn quite a bit to become a great driver. If someone's got some, some athletic ability, it takes a lot of training to get your muscles in shape to become a pro athlete. Acting yeah. is something that people maybe can do more naturally than, than someone who's a pro athlete because it's well, all about emotions.
1: It's all about emotions, and some people act every day and probably don't even realize it. I mean, part <laughs> of true. my job actually has trained me for doing this. Yeah, I'm on the phone a lot with clients uh, in the marketing office and, you know, uh, extemporaneous speech had to become something I got good at in a hurry. And um, suddenly I find myself talking into microphones on this silly podcast and now people are listening.
0: Yeah. Um, and to continue, the the best scene for me, and maybe you disagree, uh, but it was the scene where, and I'm not giving away too much here, um, whether a confrontation between uh, the actor um, – uh, Michael Pena, and uh, the person who played—I can't remember his name. He played the, uh, the the Persian father. Iranian guy. Iranian guy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this confrontation, and they were screaming and yelling at each other, and, and uh, a gun is pulled, pointing at, at uh, Pena's daughter, uh, because she comes to try to uh, save him and jump into his arms. Because she has the invisible impenetrable cloak. That's correct. Uh, the gun goes off, and— everyone thinks including my, including me that this daughter just got shot and having a daughter who's close to that age it's just it's one of those scenes that rips your heart out and even not having a daughter I'm sure you have to be affected
1: yeah oh it was it was um, uh, very jarring to imagine that that would have just happened and for nothing and for nothing
0: and it was just it was a revenge type thing well it was a, it was a very
1: complex scene I mean this man had lost his life but that's no reason to take it out on this locksmith who had done nothing to him except that's fix right. his lock.
0: Right. And give him good advice. That's that's right. And and that's the whole that's the the, the crux of the movie is Ignorance and and misinterpretation and um, and just pure hate and anger is what's going to cause a lot of these clashes. Well, that just gets back to something I talked about about ten shows ago.
1: You know, my my interpretation of our culture as an American is that there's a lot of angry people in this country, and I don't know why, but there's something terribly wrong with our culture. Yeah, and I just see anger everywhere. I see it in their eyes. I see seething, and 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 I had there are people at work who um. You know, uh, on our lunches, they'll have cops on for whatever reason in our lunchroom. And they will actually, the, here's an example of somebody I work with um, and, and a racist attitude. Um, there were these four cops behaving very well. Um, mm-hmm. They were following this guy who had a knife along the freeway. He had gotten out of his car. Maybe there was a car chase. He stopped, he got out of his car, and he had a knife, but he wasn't doing anything threatening. So the cops kind of were ready uh, with their weapons in case, but they weren't pointed at the guy. And, um, they followed him down the highway for like a quarter or a half mile trying to talk him out of doing something stupid so he doesn't have to get shot. None of the cops were provocative. The guy wasn't doing anything really dangerous yet. They were hoping that they could get him to lie face down on the ground. And one of the guys at work was just watching it with all this anger in his face. He was seething, saying, just shoot the dirty mechs. And he just kept saying it. And I was Ugh. like, why? The cops are actually behaving the way I like to see them. They're not displaying anger. They're not being provocative. The cops are doing... What, in my estimation, a good policeman should do. Let's defuse this so we don't have to shoot anybody. The unfortunate uh, thing about the scene was that the guy came after finally one of the cops with the knife and they had to shoot him. Jeez. And I would say that, yeah, if a guy's coming at me with a knife and I'm a cop after he's been warned 40 times and we've shown great patience and there were cameras to prove it, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody comes at me, unfortunately, I would probably discharge my weapon too. I don't think they killed him, but they did, they did have to shoot him to, yeah. to stop him. But I
0: mean, this guy I work with, was like, shoot the dirty mechs and I'm like, Why?
1: Well there's that Let's detachment.
0: This. If on television there's that detachment. People think of it as like a video game or or um it's just a, a- A show where there's no consequences. And they also forget that the police are there to, quote, protect and serve. Not just to enforce the laws or to be the enforcers or to take people down and and beat them. And and lay on them with their knees behind their necks, which
1: is pretty much what happens on cops.
0: Yeah, they're there to, to protect the people who may have some mental instability... And exactly. to save their lives. He, they're there to, to protect that yes, guy, too. Absolutely. Not just the people
1: that that he might harm. And the cops behaved—they were probably went beyond what I think a responsible policeman should have done mm-hmm. because they were very patient and, they, and they, they, they just went above and beyond. But, I mean, I just can't get past this attitude of the guy I work with. He's really, really, really racist against Hispanics. I don't know why. Um, but this is a guy with all this anger too. I mean, I just see all this anger inside of him and I'm like, come on, you, you need to get over this. I mean, I've never really told him that. And I have, you know, mild conversations with him about music cause he's a musician, but you know, that's as far as it goes.
0: Yeah. And, and to that point, like I was saying, Sandra Bullock's character even expresses that sentiment. She feels angry all the time and she doesn't know why. And she, she has this revelation that she's just constantly angry at everything. And And that's how she's been living her life, and then something happens, and then she realizes that you know she should be thankful for some of the things that she has right around her.
1: oh absolutely well, and you know, I could get into that whole bill of goods they're living the American Dream with a gigantic SUV and you know there's all these people walking around that they they possess the things that they were told will make them happy, and mm-hmm. yet they're not happy that's right know, but that that's a different show um I have some other points I kind of wanted to talk about. did you want to pursue any more about the film but this well, this leads into a race a
0: discussion of racism also yeah but i I also want to say that it it wasn't just a serious in knockdown drag out tearjerker kind of a film there's also some some humor in this as well and there's lots of funny scenes and and i have to point out there's one of my favorite scenes and one of my favorite uh pieces of dialogue is when these two carjackers bring a car into uh to get chopped up in the chop shop there's this this beefy guy who's there who who runs the chop shop um starts describing um some of the the people that he uh, he feels that uh, are uh, he would call rednecks, um, and he starts talking about how how <laughs> they're sitting watching the Discovery Channel when when uh, they're describing the same exact uh, pieces of uh, forensic evidence that they would use to capture that guy sitting in front of the Discovery Channel. I, <laughs> right, I'm, right. I'm, I'm purposely trying not to give away too much because I think that you have to to hear him say it. It's it's great. Um, but again, showing how there's a guy running a chop shop and he, and he's very aware of forensic evidence and, and, uh, he's not a stupid guy. He's a smart guy. He's well, running a business.
1: Lord knows there's enough of these cop shows on now. I mean, for crying out loud. You know? Yeah. Cop yeah, shows. But, yeah. What's the show I'm thinking of that has all the spinoffs? CSI, blah, 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 well, blah, blah, I think maybe blah. Law and Order. Law and or Order. The, yeah. yeah. It's Special Victims. It's got, I've never actually seen one of those shows ever, but yeah, they, I think it's got about 40 spinoffs. I think they've got the uh, canine unit.
0: <laughs> That's going to that be a one. good one. That's on Animal Planet, isn't it? <laughs> That's
1: right. Um, well, I had a couple of points I wanted to talk about, about racism. Um, this led me to, um, a couple of stories that I had thought of years ago, back about 10, 12 years ago, the Atlanta Braves played the Cleveland Indians in the World Series. And there were Native American people protesting. Mm -hmm. It was, it was kind of, um, before the whole tomahawk chop, uh, tomahawk chop thing got big where, um, Native Americans were protesting against that. This, this is even before that. And because, of course, the, the Cleveland Indians have a tomahawk, I think, as their logo on their jerseys. And there were some Native American people outside of whoever's stadium. It might have been Cleveland's that night. And they were protesting the use of that symbol because Americans, you know, after all these awful Westerns that, People watched growing up in the 40s and 50s and 60s, you know, they think, for example, that, you know, well, you know, well, Polish people are dumb, right? Italians are in the mob and Indians scalp people. That's all they do, and right? they're savages. Yeah, savages. That would, of course, be the word that Hollywood would use to portray them. And, you know, I applaud their, their protesting of, of the use of that symbol because I mean, the bottom line is, you know, John, if you're Italian and, and, and if I jokingly had said Dago or something to you and you asked me not to do that, I'm not going to do that anymore. And if somebody doesn't want to be referred to in a certain way and they respectfully ask you not to do that, why would you continue to do it? I don't think it's asking a lot to not use a tomahawk as a symbol. And, and the thing that is particularly irksome to A me, great word. Thank you. About this is, well, there are two stories that are irksome about this. The first one is, first of all, Indians did not, Native American Indians did not invent the, the process of scalping. It was during the French and Indian War. The French army taught the Native Americans to do it as proof that they had killed so many people. And in, in, in they would exchange these scalps for payment, Right. you know, a mercenary kind of thing. So the Native American peoples did not even invent scalping. They were taught that by the French. So that's my first—the um, thing that makes me really angry. And the second thing—speaking of anger—and the second thing is I remember very specifically talking to, for example, Italian-Americans about the whole Braves versus Indians— World Series, and these people were going on and on about how, oh, it's all political correctness, they shouldn't complain, I would never do that if I uh, something like this happened to me. And then I remember talking to my good friend Matt at the time about this, and he said, well, that's just crazy, because I know if, for example, if, if somebody created a, a, a team of some kind of sports team and called them the the... Peoria mobsters and used a handgun or a Thompson Tommy gun as the logo on their jersey, there would be an awful lot of offended Italian-Americans, and I agreed with him. And wouldn't you know it if life actually dealt that card? Did, Did that come up? Some Major League Farm team, and I wish I could remember the team, and I don't even remember what they called their team, but they used, it was, it was an uh, Italian neighborhood or something, and it had some allusions to being Italian, the name of the team did, and they used like a handgun for their logo. Oh, and geez. the local Italian-American community went wild, rightly, you know, but I just kept thinking about back to these Italian-American guys who said, well, if something like this ever happened to me, I would never complain about it. It's just political correctness. These political correctness people are over the top. And then right. again, life dealt the exact card yeah And I said, Well, there you go, and yeah. these people are complaining and as they have a right to i mean you know there's there's plenty of of Italian culture that does not revolve around the mob whether it exists or not, yeah. or as one of our friends would said, in Italy, they got no culture <laughs>
0: <laughs> that one took me by surprise because i haven't heard that in a while <laughs> it's an actual uh, former roommate of john's yeah i think he was joking when he said it you know but i don't know if he was joking when he said it but uh nonetheless yeah and and i'm offended by that um the the use of a handgun as a as a logo to to somehow i, I don't know i don't even know how to express my disgust with that and i'm not just saying that to pat you on the back for bringing that up as, a, as an example but i i honestly think that there is is way too much focus on the Italian American mob connection in the media.
1: Well, blame um, blame what's his name? Who's the filmmaker I'm thinking of? Oh, Coppola.
0: Uh, blame Coppola. Coppola or uh, Scorsese, Scorsese to a large degree. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the thing is. Their treatment of it is not the cartoon treatment that that you see all over the place. I, mean, I don't know. In, Goodfellas
1: was a pretty much a cartoon. Joe Pesci's character was a cartoon. In his Goodfellas. his
0: was, yeah. But but yeah. I mean, I think that just like anything else, it's sensationalism. You know, it, it gets it gets the uh, the excitement, the ire up of, of people, and and uh, you know, a lot of good lines to quote from, but. Man, there's so much more, so much more to the Italian culture than, than the mob.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and, you know,
0: that Copernic guy. Yeah, Copernic guy.
1: Yeah, what did he know?
0: Yeah, Galileo. What did he know? Yeah, well, well, they finally
1: forgave him. The Catholic Church about 20 years ago finally finally forgave well, him. That, for was, them. that was very progressive of the Church to do that. Well, the Church moves slowly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, huh?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, well, actually, at this point, we might have another song.
0: Yeah, and and again, some tie-ins. You know, I was was looking for some music and I found something uh, that ties into this Star Trek connection. We've got this thread going over the past couple of shows and films that we've uh, talked about. And uh, this one's called uh, Scott Bakula by the band Sunspot.
2: Mm. I used to Watch Quantum Leap Every night with my girlfriend Al and Sam They leap through time And I felt like they were my best friends Sing, it, sing. Tame the fire In that self-empowered Murphy Brown chick I even watched Lord of Illusions Even though I thought That movie kinda sucked Ziggy said There's a 98% Chance that the ending's sad Scott's back You love Never smoked crack You love Played core Would I always do the right thing? Clever and handsome and so freaking sensitive that i solely lack love oh, and sometimes man. i just want to punch
0: him in the sack you know, love <laughs> oh man that's
1: just <clears throat> silliness it's like we're dr demento now we have a whole new a whole new facet to our show <laughs> (laughs) I'll never be Scott Bakula, or Dean Stockwell, for that matter. I love Dean Stockwell. He was in Blue Velvet and had one of the strongest characters I've ever seen in a film. Um, Yeah, that's a great
0: tune, and boy, So many tie-ins with everything we've been talking about. Right,
1: right. Do you ever smoke the Crackula? I'm just wondering about that. Oh, never, never. I've never
0: played Blackula either. No, no,
1: I don't. But you're so freaking sensitive. I mean, that's the thing that really, really sets you apart. (laughs) Um, I wanted to touch on a couple of quick things before we say bye -bye, bye-bye um and it's back to the whole uh celiac disease gluten intolerance thing one of the questions you didn't ask me you were remiss what common symptoms are and for those of you out smack, there wait wait here's my hand smack it I, i'm gonna stab it with this pencil okay and um uh, typically symptoms show up as weight loss uh fatigue anemia those ugly gi symptoms we don't like to talk about where you have to run in the bathroom all the time and um i mean those are typical typical uh symptoms and a, a skin rash can actually um can actually form due to this as well so i mean if, if you're ever experiencing i mean so many people when i was growing up i just seem to recall people like oh well, i'm anemic my doctor just tells me to take iron well that's treating the symptom mm-hmm. not really treating the disease and i'm wondering how many people out there who have trouble with anemia may be an undiagnosed celiac so it's it's worth looking at absolutely
0: Hey, um, Rich. I think this is the part of the show where uh, you give our uh, listeners a three-second film review. The world's fastest film review. Yeah.
1: March of the Penguins. If you like penguins, you like the film. If you don't like peng- uh, penguins, you won't like the film.
0: Cool. How many yeah. stars would you give it?
1: I'll 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 give it um, out of how many? Out of one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it, I'll give it one star. A 1.0? Yeah, uh, but I would like to actually comment on the film a little bit more. This has Not nothing me. to do with a review. But, you know, I'm sort of a penguin fan, you know? We all love the cute little penguins. They waddle around. Aren't they cute? And I always have been since I was a kid. Except for when they're knocking over banks. Yes, that's, that's <laughs> never good. And, you know, I, I, I couldn't help but watch this film and wonder how this species has not died out. You know, they're like the dodo birds. I mean, the, you know, they're so uncoordinated—on land, on land. In the water, they're graceful. But, I mean, they're so clumsy and uncoordinated. And, you know, they have to do this amazing thing where— um, you know the the mother gives birth and then she has to go out to the sea to bring food back and the father has to watch the egg for months in this 80 degree below zero temperature so they have to do a little a little uh hike of the egg from one female to the male and they have to do this quickly cuz the egg can freeze cuz it's 80 below out and they're just so clumsy and uncoordinated i'm wondering how this species survived i'm absolutely convinced that if there was one good predator <laughs> On the South Pole that actually, yeah. you know, was a, an aggressive predator that really wanted to go after them and could stand those conditions, they would die off. It, I think it, one of the reasons that they they live is because they live in the most inhospitable place, you know, on the planet. Yeah. And uh... and I love penguins, but I mean, I sat there and watched this film. I watched the a couple of a female and male penguin try to trade the egg and... It, it fell out, and it started rolling away from them, and they're both slow and clumsy, so they just watched it roll away, and it froze, and it cracked, and if it wasn't so sad, it would be funny, you know, and I kept looking at, like, you know, the people around me, and everybody was going, aw, and I, I felt bad, too,
0: but I was like, my God, they're so clumsy. How can they survive? Yeah, maybe I'm going out on a limb here, but but penguins are, are, are pretty much to do with everything that we've been talking about. They on one hand, can be extremely graceful. On the other hand, they're just unwieldy on land. Yeah, and they're black, and they're white. white. I mean, there you go. They're they're a perfect binary dichotomy. That's right. And they're birds, and they
1: can't fly. How about that? They're birds, and they can't fly, but they swim brilliantly. Yep. So
0: I think that's enough for today. No. Wait. Okay, yeah, that's enough for today. All right, I agree, (laughs) yeah.
1: We've, we've done it again. We've we've successfully completed a show. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I would say go see the film.
0: Yeah, and uh, for Crash, <laughs> I'll give it a, a, a higher mark. Yes, go see that one, too. Yeah, it requires some thought, and it will yeah. make demands of you as a viewer, but I think they're demands that should be made of everyone. Yeah, and like most films, it'll make you think, and you should probably have some discussions with your loved ones. And those would those be the demands I, I spoke of. Yes.
1: But anyway... Check out our blog, (laughs) (laughs) www.bloodyveg.com.
0: And feedback at bloodyveg.com. And as they say... What do they say?
1: Well, first I have to say, you're listening to VIB, and we're out of here.